This is the Citizen of Heaven podcast number 226, Youth, Part 2. I'm Hal Hammonds, Citizen of Heaven, your embedded correspondent in Satan's world. Thanks for listening, sharing, subscribing, and coming back. This week, Chris Emerson and Phil Robertson are addressing the topic of youth. Both have extensive experience with young people. In fact, as this episode premieres, Chris and the church at Lindale have just concluded a weekend especially targeting the needs of young Christians. In this conversation, we discuss a book all three of us have read, a book written by young people for young people and their parents, encouraging us all to set the bar high. The higher, the better. Do Hard Things by Alex and Brett Harris was recommended to me by none other than my guest, Chris Emerson. Most teenagers are consumed with being teenagers. Things like serving the greater good can wait for adulthood. The Harris twins tell our young people, you can do better. They challenge the whole concept of adolescence in their book. People with adult capabilities should do adult things. Future planning is fine but it should not be an excuse for ignoring opportunities right here and right now. I think they're right. Can we talk about some practical ways that Christians still in their parents' home or barely out of it can challenge themselves to act like grown-ups right now? I'll do a short kickoff and then I'll, I'll move it over to Phil. I, I just like the way you worded that question. I just think that that's the way the question needs to be asked. How can you as a 13-year-old Christian, 16-year-old Christian, how do you own who you are in Christ? Uh, I love the book. read the book back in probably 2010-ish. Uh, we'll talk a little bit in a bit about how I've integrated it into a lot of the youth things that we have done. But there's always this part of it where it's a preacher or, or a teacher or a parent orchestrating good works for our teens, which I'm not against. I mean, that's helpful, but it's, it's not the objective. The objective is, and I'd love to hear Phil talk about this, and you too, Hal. Phil's had a ton of experience working with young people. You know, nothing is a powerful idea in you unless it is your idea in you. It can't be the teacher or preacher going, hey, we're going to set up Do Hard Things once a month, which we've done in a lot of places. And here's the projects you're going to do, and they'll do it. That's not the same as grace to faith to life. You know, the the young person has to understand the impact of God's grace and have it alter his heart and then have opportunities to live it in his life. I think we, through this book and through different practices, can give them opportunities, but it's got to become theirs. So the first thing I want to say is I love the question because you're not challenging us. There's a parent listening or a preacher listening. You're not challenging us to go, here's how you need to orchestrate those young people's path. It's more how do you help them begin to grab a hold of orchestrating their own path? And I think that's a different kind of question and a better question. So Phil's going to answer it and the episode will be over. But uh, I like the angle. Well, I don't know if I can totally answer it, but I, I like the way you're headed with that. Definitely, Chris. And, and here's what I found with kids. Kids rise to the expectations that we have for them. Every single child throughout the history of the world has been born exactly the same as every other single child. We sometimes say, well, what's wrong with kids these days? No, kids are exactly the same. The only difference is how we parent them and lead them. You baby your children, you get grown up babies. 
you teach them that life is just simply about being the traditional adolescent kid. You sit in front of the screen all day. You become consumed with your own interest, your own activities. Then what those kids become is a product of what they've been taught. And, and to me, the Harris brothers in this book bring out what Jesus does for all of us. He sets the bar higher. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you, and, and the point was, you can do this. You can do this. You can love your enemies if that's where you want to set the bar. Uh, one of the things we did one year at camp, and it was just kind of a brainstorm idea because camp is always generally about the kids and the kids come and they enjoy it. And it's just how can we make their uh, week better? What can we do for them? And, and that has its place. But we have found the kids find more enjoyment out of camp if we give them opportunities to make it about others and serving others. Case in point, one year we decided our theme was going to be adopted in Christ. And so we thought, you know, how cool would it be if at camp we raised enough money to fund an adoption or two? And so we just threw it out there to the kids and they ran with it. All we said was, let's do what we can. Every kid that comes to camp, do what you can on your own to see what you can do to help us raise money. And I mean, kids were selling goats. They had their FFA shows and they gave all their money that they made from the proceeds of the sale of the animals to sacred selections. They were making cookbooks that they would get every lady in the congregation to give them a great recipe. And they were publishing cookbooks, selling those. They were babysitting. They were, some of them were into baseball gloves. And so they were selling gloves. They're almost like brokers, whatever they were doing. It was amazing when you just, here's the bar. They went after it. And those kids raised $30,000 that they brought with them to camp. And it, it, it wasn't anything that was forced or pushed. It was, here's an idea and run with it. And, and I think when we do that for our kids, our kids want to succeed. But even more importantly, I would say how they're going to be more likely to do hard things when they see us wanting to do hard things when we're not limited by our circumstances and we recognize life is about choices, not circumstances. And, and I think we see in the kids around us that they want to do hard things. They want to do great things. We just need to raise the bar and don't keep it low. Don't just treat them like kids. You know, don't just treat them like adolescents. Don't don't say in any way the stereotypical you're just a teenager. Uh uh. You're a child of God. Great things are what you do because you were created in Christ Jesus for good works. And and that's why I love this book so much. It just takes a stereotype and throws it out the window and says, Go for it. Go for it. And, and I think when we set the bar high and we give them those opportunities, they will. They will. The three of us have read the book, but if somebody hasn't, I mean, Phil's really keen into how the thing opens. You know, the father of these two boys challenged them to read material, gave them a guideline, but wasn't specific on how they were going to exercise that. And they chose some judicial stuff, some really cool stuff. But the book opens with this idea of a revolution. A revolution is is this revolution where you rebel against low expectations. 
this, uh, they talked about, what was that? 2008. They talked about how if you went to Google and just typed in teenager and Google autofills all these options. And it was just all this stuff like teenagers and teen pregnancy, teenagers and drug abuse, teenagers and, you know, lethargic behavior in general. When we bring up that word, we just think of low expectations, trying to keep them alive until a decade can pass and they can come to their senses. I mean, that's kind of the theme. And their dad was like, no, you guys are capable of amazing things. And I'm going to have you read these 10 books this summer. So, and I want to talk about that in a second. because I think Phil's right. We've got to give them parameters. Like when he said, let's do an adoption. I mean, Phil and the team set that up. Let's do it. And, and it was something awesome. But then he let them do whatever within it that they felt like they could do. They got to be creative, exploratory, and personal and fill it in. And so that's what he did there. And, and I, I want to talk to our youth about that. We're getting ready to do a team weekend coming up. Uh, we call it the 412 weekend because of 1 Timothy 412, which, you know, Timothy was probably not a teenager at the time, but there's just this idea of your youthfulness is an asset. It's not a liability. Don't let anybody look at it and go, because you have that anchor on you, what's the anchor? You're young. It's not an anchor. That's, that's, a, that's a source of fuel for, for accomplishment and distance. They need to be optimistic, but you've got to own the fact that you're already an example. You're already influencing people and you need to work. So what do we do? We try to set up parameters. I remember when we did um, at Dallin Road and at, uh, in Beaumont and also in Baytown, we would do uh, a do hard things session once a month and we would go through the book. Great book. We talk about the Harris brothers and all this stuff. And we had a the do hard things bowl, big old bowl. And I would tell them thematically what the bowl is about, and I would give them the option, sort of, you know, teachers are, we say option, but it's like, I'll chase you if you don't do this. But the point is, if you reach in the bowl and grab a thing, you own that thing for the next month. And we started specific, like there are uh, 39 Old Testament books in here. And when you grab one, you're going to read that book. And I told them, you may get a really short one and you may get Leviticus. It's not about fairness. It's about commitment. It's not about equality. It's about exercise. And so it was funny, you know, somebody would get, you know, a minor prophet, like the minors, like an Obadiah, and somebody would get Exodus. And, and so we did that. The next month we did New Testament. But when it, where it really got good is when you did like what Phil said, you know, we said, look, there's going to be some service categories in here, like um, do something for a widow or a widower or, or do, and, you do it. You pick it. And they did really they did really well with that because it was guided but not on leash. It was very loose for them. And this whole theme of this episode is kind of like this. I just really want to cultivate that in our young people that you are awesome and you're going to do awesome things. We're kind of here to just do some directional pointing. But if we do it for them, if we control it and just ask them to be pieces of it. I just, to me, that hasn't paid off well in 22 years of ministry. Uh, it has to be an igniting of a flame inside of them. I I really think that this whole low expectations thing is not just a burden we put on young people in the short term. I think it is a pattern of behavior that we're teaching them that will guide the rest of their life. Because if you convince yourself that you're too young to do anything of consequence in your teens, a decade later, you're going to be too busy to do anything significant. 
you know, and before too long, you're going to be too old to do anything significant. And you're going to look back at the bulk of your life and think, you know, I didn't accomplish anything because I never really tried to do anything because there was always a good excuse. There was always something else going on that was occupying my time and my space. And I really think that we have, in my lifetime, trained young people to use their youth to prepare for this life. I think uh, public schools is probably, I mean, far be it from me to blame public schools for things in you know, this world, but we're going to commit ourselves so fully to staying in school and getting an education and putting ourselves in position to make a lot of money and, and all that kind of thing, which is fine as far as that goes. But everything is going to yield to that. I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to serve God yet. I'm not ready to remember my Lord in the days of my youth. I'm too busy remembering you know, calculus equations and things like that, all the practical stuff. And then you turn the page and before too long, you're in your 20s, your 30s, you have a family and you have a career and, and you've never ventured out. You've never exercised yourself. And it's going to be a different kind of reach to, to find a way to serve God in your 20s or your 30s than it was in your teens. But if you have built a policy in your life for finding a way, finding a way to serve, finding a way to work, finding a way to grow in your youth, I think that's likely to translate into similar and greater efforts as you grow. You put yourself in position to succeed and to grow and to build and and before too long, it's your character, which is what this is supposed to be all about. We're supposed to be embodying the character of Jesus in us. Well, when do you plan on starting that? When you turn 25? When you turn 40? You know, when is a good starting place? How about when you're six? That'd be a good starting place. How about when you're four? That's an even better starting place. Well, if you think about it, we as parents especially, we have been put in the role of instilling in our heart, in the hearts of our children, a heart for the Lord. And one of the things that comes with that is the desire to do hard things because there's nothing easy uh, about being a Christian at times. And I don't say that in a begrudging manner or an oppressive manner. No, it's a challenge because this world is consumed by the evil one. But we've got to recognize that our Lord has called us to hard things. And we accept that challenge uh, to one thing that we used to do with our kids uh, <laughs> may come across as the mean parent here. So let me just give you the warning. But anytime we were visiting around and of course they're growing up in a, uh, uh, as PKs, poor kids, preacher kids, you know, and you have that stereotypical image of preacher kids, you know, well, no, that doesn't have to be who your kids are. And so one of the things that we did every time we would visit a new church or whether I was speaking somewhere else or whatever, and the kids are with me before everybody got out of the car to go in to that new place where we don't know a soul is we had the responsibility, all four of us meet at least three new people. And when we get out in the back in the car, tell me their name and what you learned about them. That was for everybody. That was for everybody. And so the kids knew, and they're young. We're talking about six, seven, eight. They knew you had to shake people's hands, look them in the eye, talk to them, introduce yourself, but then ask a question so you can get information. Don't make it about you. 
Uh, and so it was fun. It was fun uh, because I don't know how many times you'll see people who are visiting and their kids don't want to go to class because it's scary. Well, what's going to happen to you at church? Come on now. You know, what's going to happen to you there? You talk about a great opportunity to challenge your kids to do hard things. And it turned into a great exercise for us that our kids enjoyed. And it set a pattern for their life that they learned how to communicate with people. If there's anything we're seeing in our kids today, Hal, forgive me, let me get on a soapbox for just a moment. And I promise to jump right off. We've made our kids introverted by allowing them to become so consumed by social media and screens that in reality they become less social and they don't know how to communicate. Even something as simple as talking with people, looking them in the eye is something many kids can't do, but I don't blame the kids. I blame parents. I blame us for not setting the bar high enough to do that. And our kids today, all of our kids They can learn how to communicate. They can learn how to be friendly. They can learn how to seek the needs of others and listen to others. Because invariably what you would find out if you just go ask and meet somebody else and ask questions about them and not just talk about yourself, you're going to learn about their history and you're going to have sympathy for them and you're going to want to find a way to serve them. It happens every time. And then now you've gone to the next level. What can I do for them the next time I'm around them? You know, and and to me, that's really the focus of the book. The challenge is there's many adults not doing hard things. <laughs> I'll just be honest. And so we need to recognize it begins with us, but our kids can rise to the expectations we set for them. And and really, that's what I loved about the book. Uh, be willing to do the hard things. And And here's the cool thing. You can. You can do hard things you can do great things. The only last little thing I'd add about the book, and you reminded me as you were getting back to the book there, is most of what got organized in that book with the Harris brothers and all that they were doing and the website that they created, and it's still going now. Uh, There weren't a lot of 44-year-olds, 57-year-olds. It wasn't really run by older people. They did it themselves. They put it together themselves. They grassrooted it. Uh, they they went through that learning curve. They became examples as a 19-year-old to a bunch of 15-year-olds. And they owned that, that that's okay. That's what we want to do. And so I, I think going back to this idea of we want to set up parameters for them to grow, but what we're really trying to do is get a fire burning in them where they begin to organize and they begin to own some leadership. Because I know you're getting into section three in a little bit, kind of like what's the difference between an adult and a young person, uh, most of the time, I think it's just your shoe size. Like people, people don't change a whole lot when they grow up. You know, if you were a follower when you're 15, you're probably a follower when you're 55. If you're scared of everything when you're 18, uh, we need to cultivate in our youth who we want to be as an adult working with, with who we are. So I really like that idea. And I would encourage young people listening, don't wait for, you know, a Hal or a Phil to come to your church and, and set up something. Like look around at fellow Christians and get after it. And I, one other thing that hit me is in the New Testament, consistently the hard thing was sometimes an easy thing, but always the most important thing, and that is to share the gospel. That's the New Testament. It's the whole thing. It's the entire message is share Jesus, share his name. Matthew 10, 
confess his majesty. And so I would just say that all of what we need to be trying to do is should be connected to how do we share Jesus with others. And my personal observation is I've been raised, associated with the church my whole life. That can get lost. It can get lost. And then we try to get young people better at A, B, C, and D. We're trying to get them to, you know, not watch these kind of movies or do that. All good. But this is about sharing Jesus and all of those things serve as that purpose. And I just think that maybe a little bit more focus on that could be healthy. Young people can learn that lesson and set themselves up for success. And I do think that if they don't learn that lesson, they set themselves up for failure. And if you're going to build a life for yourself, if you're going to plan for your future, the best way to do that is to live properly in the present, to put yourself in God's hands and and work and realize that life is not going to be handed to you on a silver platter, that that the world does not revolve around you, that you are not the special snowflake, that unfair things are going to happen from time to time. And mom and dad can't protect you from all of it. And probably shouldn't try to protect you from all of it. If you can find strength, find courage, find purpose, especially find it in God. If you can find that strength to do that, you can become a really good person. You could really accomplish things in your life. Not in your 20s and your 30s necessarily. But right now, you can do great things. And as far as evangelism goes, I'm sure that the two of you would... uh, echo my sentiments on this, I've always found that the most evangelistic people in the church are young people. They're far more like, as far as bringing people to church services. Now, maybe that's not a fair measurement, but the people who invite visitors to come from the outside are almost always young people. And and that's because they care. That's because they're, they're energetic. They're enthusiastic. And we need to feed that. And we need to channel that. It's not massive. You know, it's not, uh, the revolution is not um, high profile all the time. I, you can cut this out if you want, but because I, I talk about my son Luke a little bit, but uh, he's introverted. He's quiet. If I'd have had him do what Phil had his kids do, I think he would just stay in the car taking his whippings. Like very hard for him to go communicate with people, you know. But you know what he's done his first year of college? He just read his Bible in the cafeteria area at the UT Tyler. He just sat there and read it. You know, he's not trying to change the world, but you know, it started to happen, right? Like people walk up and all of a sudden he's texting this guy about a Bible study and, you know, he's on his golf team. There's 11 kids, 10 of them, you know, some of them claim to be Christians, but pretty worldly with their tongue. And you know what he did for, for a year, he just didn't cuss and didn't lose his temper. That was it. Like he just didn't do those things. And all of a sudden they're coming up going, what's up with that? And by the end of the semester, they had all committed to not use profanity, all committed to it. Uh, he is just, low key, but he's changing the soil and environment around him just by like being about God in his way, which is um, tangential. You know, it's, it's um, indirect, but it's consistent, man, adults or kids just be consistent, not flashy. And that's what the warning of this episode is. I'm going to go out and do our things. I'm going to do something flashy and boom, did a hard thing. Be the kind of person who lives for Jesus. And sometimes it'll be easy and sometimes it'll be hard, but it'll always be Jesus. And I don't know. So there's this sense in which I want people to go like, whatever your gifts or talents are, this challenge is still for you. 
And I think we need to celebrate those victories. You need to celebrate Luke. He needs to feel that that is monumental from the standpoint. It's not just about your golf scores. It's about how you are affecting the lives of others. And and we need to celebrate our kids. We need to praise our kids. Uh, We need to recognize there are great kids in all of our congregations and, and we need to pick them up and set them on our knees just like Jesus did and celebrate them uh, and, and don't let them get lost in the crowd. Because if, if Luke's making a big impact on that golf team the way he is, celebrate that. We sometimes become the products of our own environment. Happy people create happiness. Victories come from successful people and they recognize it and praise it and That's one of the best things you can do to motivate somebody is just praising them when you see the good things. You don't have to talk about all the bad things. Sometimes those things take care of themselves with just a powerful example, case in point, Luke and the golf team. But you praise what is praiseworthy and don't, don't, don't forget that because there's a lot of rejoice to rejoice about with our kids and our family. Thank you for listening to the Citizen of Heaven podcast. Please rate, review, and share so others can access this content. I encourage you also to join the Heaven Citizens Facebook group. There you will find links to related materials, conversation starters, poll questions, and the occasional special announcement. Also, check out the Hal Hammonds channel on YouTube for even more content. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammonds, Citizen of Heaven, signing off.